Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and this is my fourth attempt to record the intro right now. It's so funny. This is the hardest part of the show for me to do. If you have uh, been listening for a while, you've heard me stumble over these before and I am committed to making this the one. So let's just go into it. What do I do? I lead 4x400, which is an e-commerce holding company. We acquire, operate, and grow D2C brands. Uh, What is this podcast about? It is about that journey. It's about what happens, uh, what has been happening along the way. See, I almost screwed it up. What's been happening along the way as we seek to grow our brands. We have five brands in our portfolio right now. We've been chronicling that journey for a while, telling you about the struggles, the real numbers in our businesses along the way. And, uh, and trying to bring you into that journey as we seek to solve problems in real time, uh, whether we solve them or not. You get to learn about it as I learn about it. And, uh, and what is this episode about? This episode is about two of our newer brands, kind of. It's about tactics, really sort of breaking down the problem of how do you make a click on your website more valuable to you insofar as you want to do that. And there are actually times when I'd argue that's not the main goal. Um, but how do you make a, a website click more valuable to you? Uh, a metric I talk about all the time, revenue per click, RPC. Uh, how do you make that more valuable to you? Because in one metric, RPC is maybe the, the cl- with some context, the cleanest indicator of how much people are willing to buy your product. Uh, and if you can make your RPC go up, every traffic source gets more valuable. And yeah, so there's a lot more I could say and I'll set some more context as we go, but hang in. I've got 17 ways right now. And even in the midst of recording the previous three intro tries, I added two of the list. So, uh, so maybe we'll add more by the time I'm done actually recording this episode. Uh, but right now I have 17 ways to increase your RPC. I'm gonna share them with you right now. So anybody listening to this podcast, I think in some way or another is is probably is probably selling something online, trying to sell something online. And if you're following along with me, then um, you you know probably the challenge of simply making um, every click, every person that gets to your website more valuable to you. In some ways, that is really the whole battle here. <laughs> it's just to make it so that every single person. Um, who comes to your website has a good enough experience with your brand, your product to fork over their hard-earned money uh, and exchange that for your product. So, um, so what I want—I was thinking about this because we are still struggling, particularly for Thirty-One Bits, particularly for Genuine Canine, two of our newer brands, to make a click worth enough money. Um, for a long time, Slick, uh, Bamboo Earth, two of our more established brands, and even FC Goods. Uh, which we sold, but still have some connection to. They've all been able to make a click, depending on seasonality and all things being equal. Um, I mean, there's a lot of context on this, worth 250 or more, uh, basically, per click, which is a really strong number. Um, on the other hand, my newer brands have really been 150 or under for most of the time we've had them. And so that's a huge gap. I mean, it's a huge gap in value of a click, 60 some odd percent, depending on which brand. Um, and, and, so when I look at our struggles to make genuine canine work, to make 31 bits work, and, and even to some degree with modern fuel, though that's a little farther along than the other ones, um, I think that this is like overwhelmingly the problem. Overwhelmingly the problem is, can we make a click worth enough money to us? And so much of our ability to be successful as a holding company is our ability to 
turn clicks into money. And so there's a lot of different ways I could do that. So as I was thinking about this problem for Genuine Canine and 31 Bits, I just started, I created a menu, a running list in my head to analyze this problem a little more deeply, okay? So what I am going to do right now is walk you through the 17 different things I can think of that all affect my revenue per click. Okay, and, and that way, maybe it will help you think about areas of your business you haven't thought about, um, elements of sort of benchmarking that you haven't thought about, uh, and, and, and give you some ideas of where to go next, okay? So I'm gonna jump in, 17 areas, starting right now. Number one, product market fit. By product market fit, all I mean is kind of the traditional, not necessarily in a large scale um, sense, but just, um, at a basic level, is there a market for your product? Uh, it's sort of, this is product quality irrespe um, irrespective of a lot of other elements of the product. Like, I'm not talking here about the tactical importance of a new product release or something like that, but just basically like, does anybody want your product? Do you have a product that anybody cares about? I have a friend who created a business and they have thousands of units of the product that they made stuck in their garage because it just didn't, turn out that anybody wanted the product that they made, right? And on the other hand, um, you know, there's all kinds of products where it turns out like there's immediate product market fit, you put it on the market, you know, for example, that apparel is very likely to have product market fit as long as it has baseline decent design. And, and so if you're starting an activewear brand or something like that, it's it's pretty likely that there is there is a market for your product. Now, how to stand out in that market is a whole other question, but product market fit. If people get to your website and they don't want your product, your RPC will be low. So that's number one, product market fit. I'm gonna move through these probably faster than that moving forward because there's 17 of them, okay? Number two, base price. Okay, again, here, I'm not talking about all kinds of things you can do with your price that are going to show up on this list later. What I'm talking about is where you set the base price. Uh, the base price that you set your product that is going to affect how much a click is worth to you. And this is where we need to pause and say uh, that RPC, there's two easy ways to arrive at your revenue per click. Number one is revenue divided by clicks. Okay, that's pretty simple. If you have a thousand clicks and a thousand dollars, then uh, a click is worth a dollar to you. Okay, uh, if you have a uh, thousand clicks and ten thousand dollars, then uh, a, a click is worth $10 to you. It's that simple, okay? So that's one way to look at it. But the other way to look at this is conversion rate times average order value. So when you raise your base price, it's very likely that your conversion rate will lower. And when you multiply those two things together, you end up with your RPC. So RPC is a way to roll up the total value of your traffic into one metric, as opposed to just thinking, did I win on conversion rate? Because it's very often the case that when you win on conversion rate, you lose on AOV and the other way around. So the real biggest wins you can possibly have is if you can raise both of those metrics at once. Um, there's almost always trade-offs in this game, and that's why this is a hard game. Uh, that there's, there's trade-offs between those two metrics, okay? So base price is going to immediately affect your AOV. Uh, and what I mean by that is like, so we tried this with Genuine Canine. We, we had, I think our base price right now for our, for our smallest caller is $39. We tried raising the base price to $59. We didn't make a big deal out of it. We just changed the price so the traffic that got on the site would see a more expensive caller. The hope was that we would be able to value, we would be able to signal more perceived value there. Uh, it did not work. We got crushed. Clicks became worth a lot less to us and we had to lower the price back down, okay? Of course, what we all know is that if I took a leather collar and priced it at $10, 
Now, people might not believe that it was actually good quality leather at that point, uh, and understandably so, because price signals value, okay? But I bet you I could sell more of them, especially if I could make all the same claims around it. Now, I wouldn't have any margin left, and that would be a different problem, like I said. These are all trade-offs, but the base price is going to have a massive impact on what you do. Uh, modern fuel, this is another example where we thought to ourselves, uh, wait a minute, is anybody gonna buy a $200 pen? Th this is um, a combo of product market fit and base price as, as, uh, as factors here, basically. We just didn't know when we bought the brand whether or not anybody would care or wanna do that. And we're gonna play with price a whole bunch more. A product like Modern Fuel probably has significant price elasticity in a way that a product like I don't know, Bamboo Earth might not in the same way because people, the customer probably has a better sense of what skincare should cost, there's a market for it, versus uh, what a, an expensive titanium pen should cost. So should a titanium pen be worth, should, should it cost $250? Should it cost $200? Should it cost $100? Like, does the customer really know? Does the customer really have a sense of that? If you try and sell a t-shirt for more than 25 bucks, they probably know that something is weird there and that there's gotta be some justification for it. You can't just endlessly charge more. And if you try and sell a t-shirt for five bucks, then the person probably knows that it's not that good of a t-shirt. So those are all those factors. And I think base price is one of the most under-tested elements in e-commerce. People land on a price and they just keep it there for forever. Um, so base price, that's another one. Okay, I talked about that for too long. I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna give you three uh, in a row now that have very little to do with marketing tactics and have everything to do with what kind of traffic you get. Like all conversion rate related metrics, okay? RPC is heavily context dependent. You can't even tell me what a good RPC is until you answer a number of other questions. For example, device, number three, device. Desktop traffic is worth more money than mobile traffic. It is. People like shopping on desktop more by any measure, anywhere, ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I would be blown away if somebody showed me a website where the mobile traffic is worth more to them than, than, um, than desktop traffic. Desktop traffic is worth more. So that's going to, if more of your traffic is desktop traffic for some reason, then it's going to raise your RPC. Number four, demographics, okay? Demographics massively affect your RPC. Here's a, something that's not gonna surprise you. A, a uh, 50 year old woman who lands on your site, and especially if you make that woman from an upscale area, um, or if you know that she's a higher income earner or something like that, uh, that she is going to likely have, assuming she's on the right kind of website, so there's probably a product market fit thing here, um, she, uh, that woman is going to be worth more to you, her RPC will be higher than a 15 year old dude. Okay, um, she has way more buying power um, and women tend to be more valuable shoppers than men. So there you go. So uh, demographics makes a huge difference. One of the effects of this on Facebook and one of the reasons RPC doesn't work as a standalone metric very well in some cases without lots and lots of context is because that traffic is priced accordingly. The CPMs on Facebook for, uh, which is you know the cost of advertising on Facebook for, a for most 50 year old women in the US is going to be much higher uh, than the CPMs for uh, 20 year old men. You can't reach 15, you know, people who are under 18. But, but, uh, but yeah, so, so your click is gonna be more expensive. So even though the RPC is going to be higher on that customer, the click is also gonna be more expensive and it may not net out. So there's always a trade-off. There's a cost and a benefit to everything. Uh, you could also do that, by the way, with geographical dem uh, geographic demographics. Like uh, somebody in New York City is probably going to be 
uh, a more valuable customer to you than uh, somebody in, um, I don't know, uh, Wichita. <laughs> like, I, I'm not really sure what the um, economic situation is in Wichita, but I'm just assuming that in New York City, it's more expensive to live there. So that person probably has more buying power because they're in New York City in the first place. And you can extend that beyond that. Somebody in the US is probably going to be worth more to you than somebody in India. Traffic in India is very, very, very cheap. Uh, that's because Indians have less buying power uh, than and, and international traffic and all those things. So demographics. Okay, traffic source. You get what I'm saying there. Traffic source, number five. Um, this is not just device, but source. This is another obvious one. Somebody who is searching for your brand and hits your paid search ad is worth way, way more to you than cold traffic from a display ad, okay? Um, display ad mobile traffic, uh, which is what it's very likely to be on a display ad, is worth much less to you than somebody searching through for you and, and clicking otherwise. If you pull up Google Analytics, you will see this very clearly. Look at your default channel groupings. You will see that different kinds of people coming from different... Um, different uh, traffic sources are going to be worth different amounts of money. This also could sort of reflect on referral uh, as a source, like if it's a word of mouth referral versus somebody who comes through an ad, etc. cetera. Uh, so one simple way to increase your RPC is to make sure, and this is probably the most obvious thing here, that you are getting the highest value clicks you can via the channels that are available to you. This is the power of email automations. Email traffic is worth much, much more to you than paid social traffic or something. Uh, so, and, and of course that narrows even more depending on which flow somebody is in, if, you, if, you're, if you're running your, your flows, right? Somebody who has abandoned checkout because they've gotten that close to purchase, um, is uh, and comes through an abandoned checkout email is going to be worth much more to you than again even somebody who is uh, in your welcome flow or something like that. Uh, so uh, so traffic source has a huge impact. Not necessarily always because the source itself is the is the causal mechanism there, but because the source reflects what I'm going to call number six, the customer's relationship to the brand. Okay, so a Customer who has bought five times from you is highly likely to be worth more to you than a customer who has never bought from you or has never even heard of you but ended up on your website and everything in between. Um, so previous purchasers, returning customer, even just broadly speaking, returning customers versus new users makes a big difference. Now, part of the reason I gave you those last four, device, demographics, source, and customer relationship to brand. Uh, and actually, let me give you one more. This is number seven now, number, number the seventh effect on your RPC. Seasonality. Um, <laughs> A customer is worth a lot more to you on Black Friday than they are on January 1st, even if you are a fitness brand, probably, uh, where January 1st might be worth more money to you. Like, uh, like, and especially if you get highly holiday seasonal brands, right? FC Goods, great example of this. We've talked about this all the time. FC Goods around Father's Day and around Christmas is worth a customer, a click is worth a lot more to that brand then than it is any other time of year, okay? Um, and that's because it's a highly giftable um, seasonal product. And, and so there you go. So seasonality makes a huge impact on your RPC and that should be factored in. So I gave you those five device, demographics, source, customer relationship to brand seasonality. Not always because there's a lot you can do about those things, though you could. Like for example, if you're Amazon, you could create Prime Day. So you could generate your own seasonality. I know brands that do this kind of thing. Um, or, or you could go, or you could even do product development as a way of capturing different seasonality than you have 
otherwise. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of stuff you can do to try to affect these sorts of things. And like I said, your traffic sources you can think about carefully. And other, you know, non-programmatic advertising you could think about with your demographics. Like, hey, am I going to reach the right kind of person? There's a lot of that kind of stuff you could do. But the main reason I say that is because people, all, when you get to a metric like RPC, People are always asking for benchmarks. They all want to know, is mine good? I guarantee, I'm, I know somebody turned this on, pulled up the Google Analytics report, uh, which to get your RPC, you have to go into your e-commerce reports. Uh, so you can't just use your standard traffic report, but e-commerce. Um, or, or they should pull up the Shopify account and they divided their revenue by their clicks or whatever. And um, and you go like, okay, mine, mine is X amount. Is it good? Well, I mean... I don't know if it's good. It depends on a lot of other factors. Most importantly, it depends on the cost of the traffic. Uh, your RPC is great if it's a lot more than the cost of the traffic, okay? It's kind of that simple. So um, so the cost tends to reflect the value in that regard. By the way, um, that's another element. This might fit under customer relationship to brand. So there we go, I did it. I found, I found one that wasn't on my list. But um, uh, where your brand is in its life cycle, Basically, yeah, this is another way of saying customer relationship to brand, but a newer brand is, is going to have a lower RPC than a brand's existed for longer because nobody knows about it. So everybody, by definition, is cold to the brand. Uh, and and so, so, yeah, so even if you're the best marketer in the world, it's going to be very, very hard to... Uh, on the moment that the that before anybody has ever heard about the brand, when they first hear about it, that it, your RPC is high, okay? All right, let's move into some more stuff that you can mess with. Now, number eight ad content. This is underrated. Uh, and if this might be the best takeaway from this episode, honestly, people really don't realize how much the content of your ad has an effect of warming up your traffic. If I show somebody, uh, there's sort of obvious examples of this. If I run an ad that's super clickbaity, I'm going to get very cheap clicks and those clicks are not going to be worth enough to me, worth that much to me. Now they might be worth enough to me if I get them for cheap enough. And though I'm going to convert less traffic by doing that than other things, um, you know, it could, it could still work out uh, if you see what I'm saying. Um, Whereas super warmed up traffic might be more expensive. If, if what I really want is to get traffic that's watched five minutes of video, well, it's going to be very expensive for me to get somebody to watch five minutes of video uh, via advertising. Most people are not simply not going to do that. And so the clicks I get off of long form, slow developing video are going to be expensive clicks. Now they may be worth a lot to me. And so it may be worth it. Again, there's a trade-off for all of these things, but, um, that is the reality. Your ad content has a massive effect on the RPC, on the value of the traffic. The more, uh, the more your ad can war on, on any channel, by the way, this could be a display ad, a YouTube ad, paid social, doesn't matter. But the more that your ad can warm the, the customer to the product, the more likely that customer is to be worth more money to you. And, and really the best advertising warms the most, the highest percentage of the people that it reaches, right? So, so if you reach a thousand people, the more of those people who are sincerely interested in the product because of your ad and, and, and are motivated to click through and come and go get your offer or whatever, um, the better it's going to be. So a lot of times when people are developing ads, they're trying to get clicks and they look at CPC, right? Cost per click. And that's kind of their metric that they're caring about. But that CPC does not tell you enough. It doesn't. Um, I can get you a low CPC, no problem. The question is, can I get a CPC significantly lower than the RPC? That's the real challenge. Uh, and there's a lot of ways to get there. So the ad content itself is a really important factor 
on how valuable a click is to you. Um, so think about that when you're developing your ad. How do I make this, how do I reach the most people uh, within this demographic that I'm going for and get them to, to be worth the most to me? Number nine, and this is something I used to talk about a lot more, though I still think it's really important, I just haven't hit it for a little while, the offer. This is cheating a little bit because I already said product market fit and base price, and what I mean by offer is the combination of the product and the price, okay? Those two things together. So if you're bundling or if you're giving tiered offers, like, you know, there's the classic thing where there's three tiers of offers and you're gonna get most people to take the middle offer, you know, with a discount ladder or something like that. Um, so, so, but what I mean is constructing an offer sort of intentionally as something that affects RPC. So thinking thinking here, not just about price as a base price per se, but thinking really about the construction of an offer on a page and how that offer itself plays with your audience, okay? Um, so by changing the offer, for example, bundling products differently, like I said, discount ladders, like, um, you know, the classic unlock for us with FC Goods was free monogramming at one point really made a big difference to a lot of our customers. There's a lot of different things you can do to affect this. And, um, but, but thinking about when I get new traffic to my site, probably to a landing page, um, if, if I'm running digital ads, uh, how do I build the offer? That's going to have a big, big effect on uh, your RPC. A much bigger effect than either of the next two things that I'm gonna talk about, which uh, now I am finally, when you think about raising your RPC, I bet the first things that came to most people's minds, um, it, it, well, if I said raise your conversion rate, maybe not RPC, but if I said I'm gonna try my raise my conversion rate, I bet you the first two things that would come to people's minds would be around number 10 and number 11 on this list. Number 10, page design. Number 11, page content. And I'm splitting those out because I mean two different things. So page design, number 10. What I mean is for Bamboo Earth, just the other day, we added a review widget onto a landing page um, and I, I think that was a win. However, it pushed the buy box down the page because of the way we, we didn't have the buy box on the top of the page. So the, the actual product purchase section wasn't on the very top of the page like it often is um, on, on different landing pages. And so adding this review widget pushed the buy box really, really low down the page underneath all the reviews, et cetera. Uh, and that seemed to have a real negative effect on the value of our traffic, okay? So, um, so if I move that buy box without changing a word on the page without changing the price, the product, anything else. If I move that buy box, I get a different RPC because I, my, I convert more or less traffic. And, and so this is the kind of design where it's sort of like UX thinking, like where you're thinking about how the user's interacting with the page uh, that I think a lot of people go to. And that is really important. Um, it's not, I think, always the most important, best place to spend time next. Uh, people go there too fast, I think, relative to some of these other things they can change really quickly, like price and offer and um, product, some of that. Um, depending on your or offer, like by product, I mean bundling, those sorts of things. Um, so offer, yeah. Uh, but design does matter. Uh, specifically the place where I think people overestimate the value of design is on like your collection page and product page. Like if you just do a baseline good job there, then sit with what's normal, make sure your design is solid and you're going to convert enough traffic. It's kind of that simple. Um, put the product on top of the page, etc. So uh, page design is one thing, but then page content. I'm gonna break down this number 11 on this list page content into two further um, uh, categories. Number one is sales tactics. So this is where, again, you're sort of like, you're building your content to, to 
sell the product. That's like how this kind of overlaps with offer again, but maybe thinking about sort of like the flow of information in a way that is salesy. If you see what I'm saying, like you're, where you're trying to develop a hierarchy of information according to certain sales tactics, get them saying yes, for example, might be, you know, a sale to, a sales tax, tactic you're thinking of. Um, but there's a there's a there's a, a lot of different things like that that you could do. Where, what I mean is content designed to sell the product versus um, uh, B here, clarity, which I think of as kind of a different bucket. Um, and this is, I think, another really underrated element of great web design for e-commerce. Above everything else, it needs to be clear. People need to, they're not able to walk into a store, pick up your product and play with it, feel it, touch it, see it. They can't do that. So you have to get them as close to that experience as possible by making it as clear as possible what they're buying, what they're getting, um, and what it's gonna be like when it arrives, all those kinds of things. So this is where like explainer videos work really, really well. That's not really a sales tactic per se, it's just bringing clarity to the product, but it is about page content in a, in a real way. Okay, all right, so page design, page content. Keep going, just a few more. Number 12, checkout flow. <laughs> Another underrated thing here. Again, this is probably sort of a subset of page, page design and page content, but I think checkout flow is sort of a separate bucket of design and content, right? Thinking about how somebody's moving through your checkout flow. For example, again, one thing we did with FC Goods a long time ago was we made it so that because most people are buying one product, I'm not trying to get people to add a bunch of different things to cart and check out with a big, huge cart full of stuff. Right? Most people were buying one wallet from FC Goods. So what did we do? When you added to cart for FC Goods, you didn't add to cart on a landing page. It took you straight to checkout. You said like, buy now, and it took you straight to checkout with a full cart, and that was that. Um, we skipped the cart completely. We just went straight to checkout. So things like that can make a really big difference, okay? Checkout flow. All kinds of stuff you can do on the checkout flow, especially if you're on Shopify Plus and you can edit that, okay? Uh, number 13, your free shipping threshold. This is cheating again, because this is really price, um, but price is framed differently here, uh, specifically with free shipping. Um, here's a simple tactic, go get ShipScout, an app that we are playing with for Bamboo Earth right now and start split testing your free shipping threshold. Split testing how much you charge at checkout for shipping even if they're paying flat rate. You can test all of these things with ShipScout. It's really cool. We're doing it for Bamboo Earth right now. I've got a $50 tier and a $75 tier. I'm just gonna see what the difference is because what is probably going to happen is that I will convert more traffic at the $50 tier than I did at the $75 tier. The question is, will it hurt my margin so much because it's functionally giving a discount? Um, Will it hurt my margin so much that it's not worth it to me? Well, you can track all of that uh, and, and pay attention to all that and find sort of the ideal um, way to build those kinds of offers with ShipScout. Really, really cool app. That was not a paid endorsement. They're just cool. Um, okay, but yes, free shipping threshold can make a huge difference. Can make a huge difference on, um, on how you handle or on your RPC. Okay, number uh, 14, shipping costs. So that's kind of like free shipping threshold, and I'll breeze here. It's not just the free shipping threshold, it's how much you charge at uh, for somebody who isn't getting free shipping, okay? And actually, by the way, you could put in shipping here like delivery time, stated delivery time. That would probably be another one. So there's, now I think my list is technically get, getting longer and longer again. But shipping cost. You know, one, one little thing I wanna play with is what happens, again, you can do this in Chip Scout. What happens if I make the, the cost of standard shipping for, for orders that are under my free shipping threshold $5 versus $4.99? I, I don't know. I mean, if, if studies are to be believed, then $4.99 will work better. 
So there you go. Uh, but I could also make it $5 versus $3. We, we did one on Bamboo Earth a while ago of charging $10 for shipping versus $5. The hope was that people would see $10 for shipping and they would go up to the free shipping threshold. It didn't work. Um, but uh, but that was a test. So you could you could try and by um, changing the price, see if you can change people's behavior, okay? Number 15, upsells and cross-sells. There's another sort of obvious ones. If you're trying to raise the RPC, maybe try and get them to add more stuff. There's a lot of ways you can do this. You can upsell on your website. You can upsell on product pages or cross-sell on product pages. You can put in-cart upsells. Use order bump for that. We use that for slick products. We're about to probably add it to something else, uh, probably to Bamboo Earth very soon. Um, Post-purchase upsells. Right now, we use Carthook post-purchase funnels. Incredibly easy to set up, relatively cheap. And I have at least one, I mean, I think we generated over eight grand last month in post-purchase upsells uh, with a product that's a high-margin product for us. Just gave 20% off if you add it to your cart right after checking out. Um, and it, it converts 10% of my offers or something like that. Seems to work very well. Post-purchase upsells, adding to my RPC. That's $100,000 of business that we added to, you know, to the books by... Um, by adding a post-purchase upsell, okay? Uh, eight grand a month across 12 months, okay? Um, so, so yeah, so, so there's all kinds of different places you can do upsells, a lot of apps that can help you with that, uh, but that's another way to raise your RPC. Okay, uh, last two. Uh, outside of the tactical, a little bit more in the big picture marketing thinking, number 16, new product releases. Um, this is both in terms of product market fit, hitting your total addressable market, that kind of element of things. Um, so for example, for Genuine Canine right now, we're working on developing harnesses. We don't have that right now, we only have collars. I'm convinced that will make a significant impact on our ability to make every click more valuable to us because people will come to us, they will think our design is good, they will like our collars, and they will go, wait a minute, my dog uses a harness. And just by being able to sell people more of what they want, hit more of the total addressable market, with our products will do better. Modern Fuel is developing a bolt action pen. Um, and, and so that's another kind of element of, of that same approach. But it's not only that, it's not only that you hit more of the total addressable market, but product releases are also marketing moments. Think about apparel brands dropping a new set of designs once every month or two, right? Just constantly coming out with new stuff so that there's new reasons for people to come and to shop and to try more stuff out, to buy it. Uh, that would be another, a way product releases work. That makes every click more valuable to you. Uh, because now you've got new stuff. So you hit more of your potential customers and you have exciting marketable moments for for um, for new customers or, or, or for past customers, okay? Uh, and number 17, discounts, okay? Really obvious here, whether it's, a, whether it's a Black Friday moment or it's just like a, hey, weekend sale, that kind of thing. If you have a big discount moment, you're going to raise your RPC almost for sure as long as you don't kind of do this too often and, and um and hurt your overall brand in a way that's problematic, okay? Um, but discounting strategy matters for this reason. Uh, discounting strategy is a way to raise your RPC by having moments, this is the reason people do this, of generating interest and attention uh, and creating value from your customers by giving people a better offer. Now, there's a trade-off to that, just like there is for everything. Um, it's all costs and benefits, but there you go. Okay, so I'm gonna run back through them. Number one, product market fit. Number two, base price. Number three, traffic device. Four, demographics. Number five, traffic source. Number six, customer relationship to brand. Number seven, seasonality. Number eight, ad content. Number nine, the offer. Number 10, page design. Number 11, page content. Number 12, checkout flow. 
Number 13, free shipping threshold. Number 14, shipping cost. Number 15, upsells and cross-sells. Number 16, new product releases. Number 17, discounting. Uh, all of those, and I'm sure there are plenty I left off the list, are different ways for you to raise the RPC. So when you are struggling, when your brand is hurting, the question to ask is, which one of these is the best place for my next investment next? That's the question I'm asking myself. Hopefully that gives you a way, a framework to start thinking about it and then focus there and solve what you can. Okay, there was a lot there. I hope that was helpful to you. I know I went through a ton of stuff fast. Uh, uh, but the reason for that is because I'm thinking about all this stuff and I'm trying to look on that menu and figure out what the best next thing for my brands is. Um, and so going through all that was definitely an exercise for me as much as anything else. Uh, so um, so if, if you go from this episode and you implement any changes because of something I said here or something and it works, would you tell me about that? I would love it if you would email me at podcast at 4x400.com or you'd reach out to me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. Um, put it publicly too. Tweet at me. Don't just DM me because it's fun to interact with that stuff for other people to see as well and to learn from. I would love to hear about that. Same if you have any other questions, any other thoughts. Uh, just be great to interact about that stuff. I really do hope I've been some help to you as always. And if I have, I'd love it if you'd rate and review uh, in all the usual spots or share this with a friend. So thank you so much. And uh, I will talk to you next week.